hosting for Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. Long about technology. It's fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two blokes talking tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen and Trevor are always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And that's right, Two Blokes Talking Tech. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. For more information about them, check them out. We'll talk about them also shortly. My name's Trevor Long, joining us uh, live on YouTube. Uh, thanks for watching, and thanks for watching on delay on YouTube as well. That's okay. Or listening on the podcast via iTunes, SoundCloud, or techguide.com.au. doesn't matter where it is. And the other bloke, Talking Tech, each and every week, Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. G'day, mate. G'day, Trevor, and a big hello to our uh, our live listeners and viewers. Uh, great to be with you once again. This is only the second time we've done this, so hopefully we'll uh, we'll get it all right. We'll it'll be all right on the night, as they tr- say, Trevor. So uh, let's kick it off. Go hard or go home. That's how we roll here. And uh, we've already got Brad and Robert tweeting on the Ziggy Zaggy hashtag. So g'day, boys, and let's get cracking. Two blokes talking tech. I have to say, I was very confused last night. Very confused. Sitting here... What else is there? (laughs) True. Uh, But this was about technology. Uh, No, that's also true. Anyway, I'm sitting here and my tweet deck screen with my Twitters is is going nuts with something about Nokia. Now, Microsoft bought the Nokia devices division. Microsoft kind of was selling Nokia Lumia phones. And then a couple of months ago, it became clear that the, the Lumia would be the name and the Nokia brand would be dropped. And I've got to be honest, maybe I don't read between the lines. Maybe I'm not getting into business details of the whole thing. But I thought Nokia was dead. I did radio interviews across the country talking about how Nokia was dead. And here it is last night. Nokia has announced a tablet. So what actually happened was Microsoft literally bought the, the devices division from a company called Nokia who still exists to do other stuff as well as potentially licensing their brand to people making devices. How goddamn confusing is this? Yeah, it is a bit. Well, Microsoft, they, what they paid, they paid $7.2 billion, you, you can recall, and they purchased the handset and services business. So I think what, what that says to me is it made me the, the, Lumia, the Lumia brand. Now, the Finnish company, which still is running, has still got a manufacturing division, a consumer division, and they've partnered with Foxconn, the same company that creates Apple's devices, iPhones and iPads in mm. their factory. And they've come up with, uh, well, it's, it's basically an iPad clone, an iPad oh, mini clone, isn't it what? the N1, which uh, is running Android. And how many times have we said over the years that we've been doing the show where Nokia, had they have, if they had a DeLorean and could go back in time seven years or eight years, uh, if they had a, had Android running on their devices, where they would be today. We've often speculated that they'd still be a player, a serious player in, in that market, like up there with the Samsungs and Apples and HTCs and all these other companies that are having a lot of success running Android. But um, I think this is a, a positive new direction and hopefully if, the, if, the, if what they're saying is true, 
this N1 tablet is going to be followed up by a smartphone running Android. Now, we've always been fans of Nokia hardware, uh, and that combination of a nice Nokia device with Android, I think, is a winning combination. And is it the start of their comeback? I really hope so. I think that they were once, uh, obviously, number one with a bullet, daylight second. They were such a big company before the iPhone came out, and hopefully... uh, or they may be on a return path. And once the contract, so obviously when they bought the, the company, there was contractual obligations as to when they had to stop using the Nokia name from Microsoft, and there's contractual obligations as to when Nokia can start releasing smartphones again, okay? So once that happens, now, and to be clear, you were right. We, we talked even before Stephen Elop or whatever his buddy name was decided to go all, all in Microsoft. We were saying, dude, Android, and he mm-hmm. didn't listen. Uh, he obviously wasn't subscribed. Not our problem. Maybe if we were YouTubing back then, it would have. Anyway, let's not let's not get in the DeLorean on him. But imagine. So let's let's look forward. Let's get in the DeLorean and go forward to hoverboard time. And what we've got now is a successful Nokia phone as Android. Frankly, they they go out of the gate with brand recognition on a Nokia Android phone. This could well be a situation where Microsoft's looking, going, "What the hell just happened here?" Absolutely. No, I, I agree. I think the problem in the past has been when when the iPhone landed and all these other companies lined up against Apple, Google happened to be there with Android. So the, the Samsungs, HTCs, all these companies said, right, we're Android. Nokia at that time still had quite an investment with the Symbian operating system that they paid top dollar for only a couple of years earlier. So I don't think they were going to just turn their back on that. I think they placed... I think they had a little bit too much confidence in their position in the market at that time and thought, well, no, well, she'll be right. The finished version of whatever that is, she'll be right, they said. <laughs> uh, they, said they, they decided to sit back and think, right, we're okay. Uh, but in the meantime, then Apple were on the rise and, and, and uh, all these other brands, Samsung, were on the rise as well. But then along comes Microsoft and does that really bizarre deal, I thought, back in 2011, and says, right, we're going to partner with you guys, but under one condition, you got to run Windows Phone, hmm. which at the time was like point, you know, not even 1% Absolutely. of the market, I don't think. So they kind of painted themselves into a corner. Meanwhile, Android's gaining strength and power over the other side. Apple's going from strength to strength. So, you know, it, better late than never, I guess. I don't know. Is that the case here? I just literally think that if Nokia, I think Nokia may well be the smartest company in the tech world if they pull this off because they could well pull off a successful entry into the Android smartphone and tablet space um, through licensing, becoming very efficient because they've shed their inefficiencies over to Microsoft. Mm-hmm. The most inefficient company in the world is is now got the, a second most inefficient company in the world. And Nokia could suddenly become a really efficient smartphone manufacturer, and I think that's exciting. The tablet they announced, this N1, is, as you say, a complete iPad mini clone. It looks, you know, rounded edges, the whole kit. I don't care. It's running a good version of Android. This could be a great device. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and I think that you've got to remember that there's talk that, that Microsoft are going to drop the Nokia name. I think the... Yeah, the last the, the last Nokia the, device is, the, is, is here. The Lumia 830, which we got a couple of weeks ago, still says Nokia on the back of this thing, mm. but it's probably not going to... The next device is just going to be called a Lumia, and there'll be Microsoft all over it. So and that's Nokia contractual. Kind of sort of so stage right. that's in the contract. When they bought the, you know, the vo- devices division, 
That's that, that. There was a date, and let's say that date was November the fifteenth. That's the date after which there can be no Nokia devices made by Microsoft, and that's the date that this whole thing opens up. It's stunning, um, amazing turn of events in my in my book in terms of the brand Nokia. And I think that in two years we will be talking about a very different smartphone world where Nokia may well be a, a serious player because at this point in time Microsoft are still struggling despite the fact that having a device company under their wing. I don't think they're making any any in, inroads because the software is just not what's working for them. So it's amazing. If only, if only they had have listened to us I'm telling three you. years ago. Three years ago. If only they had have listened to us then. Uh, but anyway. Mate, seriously. Uh, people started listening to us. They started dropping the price of Android tablets. People do listen. They just take too long. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, I think it's time to talk drones, and I don't mean you droning on and on and on about... It's a hammering tonight. Yeah. (laughs) I'm talking about the flying drones uh, that both of us actually had a look at at in the past week, and it's quite a topical uh, topic, this one. How's the timing? Topical topic, that makes sense. Topical conversation, but... um, uh, we happen to time our reviews for when when the drones are in the news for the wrong reasons, and we're talking, uh, you know, a bit of a photo- photography of uh, topless topless sunbathers and and all these sorts of things. Topless but grandmothers. Guarantee you. Can we, can we not have that headline? We had honourable intentions with our drones. Uh, I had the DJI Phantom 2 Vision Plus, and Trevor also had a version of the Phantom as well. Uh, but the bottom line is they're flying cameras. A uh, lot of fun to fly. Uh, but my, my version had a built-in Vision Plus camera, full HD, terrific quality video. It also links to wirelessly to uh, an app on your iPhone or Android device. So you can actually have a first-person view of what the drone is seeing. So I could stream that directly to my device, even set the photo- set, set it to take a picture or shoot video, could even adjust the camera from the app as well uh, and see all the information about speed and altitude and all those sorts of things. But, um, wow, what, what the, the, the results, uh, I put a video on my review and, and Trevor's done the same. The results of what you can shoot, it, it literally takes your photography to new heights, mm. just <laughs> incredible panning shots and, and movement shots that, uh, you know, as the, a couple of years ago, you would have needed a, a, to hire a helicopter to achieve the same mm. type of shot. So, uh, you know, my drone was supplied by Sphere, one of Australia's biggest drone retailers, sphere.net.au. They, they, they helped me set it up for me, gave me a couple of flying lessons, and I was on my way. But uh, surprisingly easy to fly, don't you think, Trev? Yeah, absolutely. It, the, you know, when I was talking about flying it, I was given the advice, I'll spend a bit of time learning and flying and testing. And I did. I didn't hook the camera up. I just went to fly. But it was so easy. I'd done it before with the AR drone, and the, and the con- concept is the same. Uh, you know, your remote control is, is, you know, pretty obvious standard stuff. You've got the, the two sticks. Um, <clears throat> and it's interesting, because, and we'll talk about the laws in a second, but um, both our drones are, are essentially identical. They're, they're the Phantom 2. Yours, uh, Stevens, comes attached with a, a, a camera built in, so when you buy it out of the box, it's running. Whereas this one, when you buy it for like 950 bucks or something, you, you don't have anything underneath. It's basically just a toy. And then what you do is you buy what, what is called the gimbal here, which is this, this attachment on the bottom. And then I'm able to attach just my own standard GoPro. Now, I'm going to turn this on. It won't, it won't 
won't flicker, so don't worry, people, but you'll hear the beeps when it actually turns powers on because I want to show the, the gimbal in its, in its stabilisation mode. So imagine this thing's... It's just booting up now, but this thing flying in the air, and the whole point is this camera needs to stay steady. And so what happens is the, the drone flies. It could be moving in the wind, and see the camera stays just amazingly steady no matter what you do. Thus, the vision is just stunning. I'm blown away by it. It's incredible. Yeah, well, if you, as you can see here, I've also got my drone, and the uh, this is the, the Vision Plus camera, is, as Trevor mentioned, this is included with this with this model. It is more expensive. This is about $1,700 worth, I think, well, mainly because of that camera, the three-axis gimbal that you can see here. But this this uh, this this camera can link then to the app. It's got uh, the the remote controls also got a, a, an extender, a transmitter as well, so that you can get that that live view. Uh, and it, uh, it the vision out of this uh, it, it's remarkable. I, I was so surprised when and after you finish shooting, what you can do the app actually streams the content, so you download the content from the drone. So straight into your smartphone, the videos and pictures that you've shot with the drone are wirelessly transmitted to your smartphone, which can be held onto uh, onto the controller with a with a with a clip. So uh, this is the uh, Phantom 2 Vision Plus. It's about 17.45, I think. The price is on my review on Tech Guide. There are other other models similar to, to Trevor's. If you want a BYO camera, if you've got a GoPro. Uh, if you want to do that yourself. Uh, the, uh, Sphere have also created, I don't know if you can see on the bottom here, they've 3D printed a piece of plastic here hmm. so that uh, it will protect the camera if you, in case you have a rough landing. So they, they, that's a 3D printed part that they sell with the kit as well. Uh, I had a spare battery and they, they've supplied a hard case so uh, you know you can take care of all the, all the parts. But uh, I, I think... It's one of those things where once you experience it, it's with something you want to do again and again. And if you're into your photography, if you're a filmmaker, uh, you know, any any few, if you're interested in photography at all, hmm. this can literally take you in a totally new direction with the way you shoot things. Um, so worth a try if you can afford it. They're not cheap, but uh, no. you know, you consider it. It's cheaper than an SLR. If you're going to buy a DSLR, that's right. Uh, which you're going to spend about fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars. Uh, it, it is about that price. So, f- for a photographer, that sort of money is not is not expensive. That's right. Yeah. And and the it, thing it, is, the, totally f- photographers are always looking for that next best thing. And so, the example Stephen's got is the Vision Two. Mine, as I said, is the Phantom with the the gimbal. And what I've got is then a, on the, on top of my um, on top of my remote control, I've I've then got an FPV kit that allows me to see directly from the GoPro. And so this is it's a similar thing, but it's just all add-ons. So this. The total package yep. is very similar price, but you've you've got to buy the GoPro separately. So that's where you get the difference, and you've got that GoPro for other other means, and that's probably the benefit of it. But let's be clear about the rules and regulations. Um, it's it's very it was made very clear to me. I walked into a store and and they handed over a, a leaflet. Oh, in fact, I've got it here. Um, here's one I prepared earlier. Um, they handed me this leaflet, which you probably can't see on the YouTube stream because of the, the bright colour, but it's flying with control. And you turn it over, and it has a very simple list of rules, and to the point where I've memorised them already, easy. And, and this conversation about this woman who was photographed by a real estate agent was, was easy to, to... I had to repeat these rules on the radio a lot. It's very simple. You, you don't let it get out of sight. You, you stay away from boats, cars, 
and, and buildings about 30 metres away. You, you, you can't fly over people's backyards. You can't fly over beaches, you know, populated areas. You have to stay under 120 metres in metro areas. You can't fly within five kilometres of airports. The leaf that you're talking about, though, Trev, is from, we should point out, it's, it's, from, the, it's from CASA, the Civil Aviation Safety Authority. So the, these are rules. Obviously, the, the reason it was in the news in the first place, because people were flouting these rules. That's so right. it, it's, it's always someone spoils the party. Although I think that real estate sign, unless you knew where you lived, and I don't think anyone would notice that woman in that photograph. No. She obviously noticed herself because it was her house that was next door to being sold. But anyway... Um, the safety aspect of it, though, is important, and uh, the the guys from Sphere who came who came with my drone, they they re- they pointed these out and said, "Look, you really got to follow this." And I, I live not far from the airport, so I, I had to be very careful when when I was about to fly. A warning would come up that I'm within five and a half kilometres of the airport. Right. That I, I had to be I was restricted to the height limits, and I think the GPS model, if you uh, get try to take it, try to uh, use it. Really close to the airport, it won't even lift off if it's right. if it knows it's so close to the airport. So yeah. And just quickly to wrap up, the the amazing thing about this is that it has such technology in it. So I was out at the Blacktown Drive-in today. We were filming um, some some car stuff. Took it off, and and you set up. You take a bit of time setting it up. It finds its GPS coordinates. You got to configure the compass. And then I was flying it for so long. It has about a twenty minute battery that I'm just flying it, and then suddenly it just took off. It just went. And and I was with Bowen, who, who does the car stuff with me at EFTM, and he went, what's going on here? I said, it's it's running low on battery. It's going back home, and home being where I took off from. So it just flew back and landed where we took off from, and, you know, no dramas. It didn't fall out of the sky because it knew the battery was running low. It's amazing technology. Yeah, but that's a great feature. I remember one of the first times I used my drone, uh, it got caught in a wind gust, and it sort of mm. took it out of my control. And I flicked down on the, the top right-hand lever, that's the coming home, to activate the coming home feature. And it, it fought the wind a little bit, but it sort of went up to a height and then eventually just made its way back and landed at my feet. So that's remarkable with the, that GPS uh, addition there. You can also set waypoints. If you want to mm. fly it over a certain course, you can touch parts of the app and set. The, you can see a map of where you are. And you can actually set waypoints for the for the drone to fly that course and then return and land right where it took off from. So Amazing remarkable stuff. technology. It is. It's awesome. It's a great hobby. Um, and as long as some idiots don't ruin it for everyone else, it's a whole lot of fun. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Now, this morning, Netflix finally confirmed the most obviously unbelievable thing we've ever heard in our lives. They're coming to Australia. Um, this has been speculated for some time now in all the news and all the all the rumours and everything that's been happening. Uh, finally, they've announced it. Now, here's what I found most interesting. March 2015, Australia and New Zealand. And they talk about how it's coming and da-da-da. And then they talk about the shows that are coming. And frankly, they list a whole stack of basically Netflixy shows, nothing major, um, they don't even talk about a house of cards because they've they've got to sever their deal with Foxtel before that can be confirmed. But essentially, th- there's no real incentive here in this. I read the press release and I don't go, oh, oh, awesome. In fact, I had plenty of people on Twitter say to me, I'm going to stick with the US version because people here in Australia are currently, let's, let's analyze this, they're using Netflix via a VPN and paying via a US credit card or whatever it might be because they want all that content. Just because yeah, there's 100,000 or 200,000 people using Netflix because they want the content 
does not mean they are suddenly going to use it just because it's available in Australia. The thing is, if it's not the same content, they won't bother with it. So I'm not convinced it's going to be a success in Australia because I'm not sure they're going to have the content that they, they make out. Yeah, I, I think though their their hands are tied a little bit with, with what they can officially announce. You mentioned Foxtel, oh, sure. House of Cards, Orange is the New Black. These are the shows that really sort of set Netflix apart, and hmm. are the shows that were the most downloaded shows here, the ones we mo- mo- were most eagerly awaiting. Foxtel happened to have the Australian rights. Now that Netflix is coming. March is an interesting date because it obviously gives them time to, I don't know, maybe work to the end of their agreement, uh, so that yeah. they want to show those programs on their own, on their own uh, for their own customers rather than filling Foxtel's pockets. Hmm. So, it's I think it's a sensitive area here, and I'm hoping though. My only hope is that while the service is great, and yeah, you're right, a lot of people connect to the American version of Netflix uh, and with the VPNs, and they get all ways to get around it. My only hope is that they don't price themselves out of the market here. Yeah. In the US, it's $8.99 for an all-you-can-eat subscription for TV, movies, whatever you like. I hope that we get a, a competitive price here in Australia because if it's expensive, people are just not going to bother. They're just going to steal it for nothing, get it some other way. They really need, if they want to nail this here in Australia and New Zealand, they've got to give us a fair go on the price. And look, the bottom line is Australia is well advanced in this space. America was not when Netflix launched. Netflix had the first mover advantage. Australia has catch-up services from all the TV stations. They have QuickFlix. We have Presto. There's a lot of options here. So it's not the only option. So it's a very interesting one, and only time will tell. March 2015, March next year, Netflix will be in Australia. I'll have to wait and see exactly what the content turns out to be. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long. And we do it all thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. Check out their website. Click on, if you're, if you're looking for home solutions, click on for home. And uh, under their networking section, you'll find all of their amazing range of routers, uh, router modem routers and a whole stack of other things. And, of course, we love to talk about the Nighthawk range. And I'm going to go back to the, to the original Nighthawk, which is still a stunning product. This is a, a router that's built for you, if you, if you, especially if you love gaming and streaming um, and also mobile devices. It's got next-generation gigabit. Um, it's a Wi-Fi router with one gigahertz dual-core processor inside of it. delivers extreme speed, so you get less lag, less buffering on your gaming. No matter where you Wi-Fi, the Nighthawk has you covered because it has beamforming, which actually sends the signal within your home uh, to the devices that need it. So the Netgear Nighthawk, get ready for the extreme. It's the R7000, uh, the Nighthawk router. Check it out at your local retailer or at netgear.com.au. Well, we contributed in a very small way to uh, to the next story. Um, Apple um, did crunch some numbers this week and, uh, and announced that... Uh, some 7 billion podcasts had been uh, downloaded from the podcast store, the app store, the iTunes store, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and, uh, and that's a pretty big milestone over, over 10 years. Uh, coming up to the 10th anniversary, I mean, 7 billion podcasts, I don't know. It may not be a huge amount. It may be a huge amount. But certainly it proves that it's not dying. It's going very well. In fact, there's some real um, there's some real success stories coming out in podcasting, and it's only going to grow as we have more devices in more places uh, accessible for individuals. 
Absolutely, yeah. Well, the the podcast format is actually going to turn 10 years old next mm. year and doesn't show any signs of aging. I think that the format's going from strength to strength and there's been more than 285,000 podcasts recorded, some 9.2 million episodes of those podcasts, including Two Blokes Talking Tech and Tech, your tech Guide Life and Your and Tech Life. Tech Guide and there's plenty of uh, uh, shows like that around. So it's uh, we've contributed, as Trevor said, in our in our small way. But I think if you if you're obviously you're listening to this podcast, so you are, are aware of podcasts and and how convenient they are, the diversity of subjects you can find. But I think uh, the reaction I like to I like when when you hear people that have discovered your podcast or have just discovered podcasts in general, mm. and they find this whole world has opened up to them. Uh, you know, you and I, we do a lot of radio. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, we like what you do on the radio. And then when we, we remind them, I said, well, you know, if you want to listen to us on demand, you can listen to our podcasts. And then, and then you, you see you see this look in there. I think, wow, I didn't even know that was possible. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people who are just discovering podcasts for the first time and realizing that, you know, where, where have you been all my life? Uh, and it's just going to continue to grow. And, and good on Apple for releasing these figures because it just goes to show that it's a format that we've embraced and we're really enjoying and that's why we're doing what we're doing here right now for you. And the only thing I would say is, and this is with greatest respect to people who are podcasting, and, and I don't claim to have the best in the business, but of the seven billion, it's probably four and a half billion that are just utter crap um, because unfortunately <laughs> it's very easy to podcast and I think that's a challenge for podcasting as a genre because if people discover bad quality or outdated content because the problem is a podcast lives forever if you if you don't delete it and a lot of people start podcasting and then stop and then their podcast is found as a subscription but it's all old episodes so there's a real lot of challenges around i think to be honest i think apple can do a lot more to uh, enhance podcasting broadly but it's a long way to go and it's still very young even though it's 10 years old um, but great stuff and, and good stats you can read the full stats and the full story at techguide.com.au Two Blokes Talking Tech You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick well, we've always been fans of uh, Jawbone. Uh, they, they were sort of one of the first companies that really kicked off the activity tracker bracelet craze. Uh, they, they were not only one of the first, but also one of the best. That they did, they backed up a good product with a very good app as well. And they've been quite active in, in updating these year on year. And their latest version is this. This is the Jawbone Move, which is quite a smaller device where you can wear it on your on your wrist uh, with a watch strap or it also fits inside a clip. This is the clip right here that you can actually, uh, if for those watching on YouTube, you can see the clip that you can wear it on your clothing, on your belt or, or you know, uh, anywhere that it'll just fit discreetly on your body. But and what, what really impresses me though is despite the size, it's so small. I, I compared it to, I think it's about the same width of a dollar coin. Hmm. Probably it's, it's it's about the size of a stack of four dollar coins. It still manages to fit in a three axis accelerometer as well as Bluetooth connectivity and there are LED displays on the front. So you can actually use this to tell the time. It can indicate the hour hand and minute hand on the front face with the LED light. So if you're looking for an activity tracker, this is only sixty nine bucks. So pretty good pretty good. Are you getting all the features of the jawbone up twenty four in a device this small and this cheap? And look how far they've come. So it was this is the the original up. Uh, great little device. You had to plug it into your phone. Then came the up twenty four. 
um, which Bluetooth con- connectivity to your phone, and now they've got this thing. And I've got to, I've got to say to you, I don't like it. It's, I mean, it's cheap. Seventy bucks is fantastic, but I ain't wearing this in public. Sorry, mate, not happening. That looks like a bracelet. I mean, it took a while for they my kids to get used one. to that. They gave me a red one. <laughs> a lot of people think it's pink, actually, but I insist it it's red. It does not look pink, a little but... pink, mate. does look a little but pink. you can use it wear it on the clip, mate. See the clip? The clip is pretty small. Mate, you can fit that on your belt. The thing, about the, the thing about the wristband, the Jawbone Up 24, is I've always got it on. I take it off in the shower to charge it, and then I put it back yeah. on, and it's always on. And if I miss a day, that's a, a missed day, and you, then you get complacent and you don't worry about it. So I, I need yeah. that functionality and also need it to not to look too silly. So I actually think this is targeted at a at a different demographic, potentially a more um, female demographic, yeah. potentially. Um, but the clip the clip is great. I think people like tradies and people who are you know able to remember, I'd just forget this every day if I was wearing the clip. So for me, it just this has has been the perfect thing for me. Very easy to get on, all those different things. So it's it's something for everyone now. I think what that does is it says choose how you want want to want to move, choose how you want to live live up, as they say. Um, and I think that's I think that's a good thing, and it's a great for, at that price point. It's almost best in class price point with the features. It's stunning. There was a $99 one I reviewed four or five months ago, which was just some you know cheapo company. Uh, and mm. I thought that was amazing. 69 bucks from Jawbone. They're making a serious play here. We should point out too that this uh, the Jawbone Move it has a, a non-rechargeable lithium, like a watch battery in it. CR203 so you're not going to have to these for months. Mm. Incredible uh, length of time you can... Between, so you don't have to remember to charge. That was one of the things that I, you had to remember to charge your other one. It lasted four or five days. This is going to last for six months. Mm. We should also point out too that Jawbone are also bringing out the Up 3. How they've gone from 24 back to 3, I don't know. Mm. But the Up 3 is the next model that's going to be full of sensors, uh, heart rate sensor. It's going to be the all the bells and whistles, but that's going to be back up bracelet format. So you'll be happy about that. Very much. Uh, and it's going to be have all the sensors, it's going to be like $230. So the move is obviously you're going to be the new entry-level version, which I quite like. I reviewed it on Tech Guide today. Uh, but the Up 3 is what I'm really looking forward to seeing. That's going to have all your sensors. It'll tell you everything about yourself, even things you didn't even know about yourself. Very good. Something's beeping. I think it might be my light. It's going to turn off because the battery's dying. You never, never know. Anyway, you're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. You can read Stephen's uh, review of the uh, Jawbone Move at techguide.com.au. Very quickly, before we get to the minute reviews, uh, Apple Watch Kit was uh, released. So this is the the developer kit that allows developers to go and build apps and things for the Apple Watch, which is coming early next year. This is very significant, not because developers are going to now get uh, at building apps, but because it exposes a lot of information about the Apple Watch that we previously didn't have kind of confirmation on, you know, things like the actual exact screen size, pixel ratio, stuff like that. So it's quite an exciting time for developers and for, for people who are, you know, waiting with great anticipation as to the Apple Watch. And Stephen, you had a look at the, the details and, and put a put a story up at techguide.com.au. But, I, you know, I do think it's, um, I think it's a, a critical moment because this is, this is the time. We need big apps if this thing's going to be huge. Absolutely, yeah, and I think the lead-in time, like the rumor, are, the rumors are, it's going to be around March next year. They're, they're saying early 2015, but I'd say it'd be around more around March. Mm. So they're giving developers quite a bit of lead time to to get their apps right. Uh, Apple also revealed though that the developer kit will next year, late next year, allow developers to create standalone apps 
for the iWatch. At the moment, the developers have to create an app for the iPhone that works as well on the iWatch. So next year, Apple Apple's Watch. revealed that they will allow developers to create iWatch-exclusive, Apple Watch apps that just run on the mm. watch itself. So, uh, you, but they did reveal a few things. You're right. They they did say that the different types of notifications you can get, whether it be an actionable notification, uh, whether it's a glance, so there's just information you just look, uh, you know, at, at turn your wrist to see. So it gives developers th these types of, uh, of of information to build their app to to uh, optimize it for that smaller face and give it uh, a whole new life on, on someone's wrist. So exciting times, and I think Apple, uh, as usual, uh, are going to be pretty strict with their with what gets through. They want, to, they want the whole experience to be a good one, start to finish, and uh, I think it's an exciting new direction for them. Well, we can't wait to see this, uh, the finished product. We've had a brief look at it. Uh, when Trevor and I were at the iPhone launch a couple of months ago. Mm. But uh, this is going to be, I think, a product that's going to just reinvent the whole smartwatch market in the same way that the iPhone really turned the smartphone market on its head all those years yeah, ago. That's right. And it's, and it's critical because we didn't really see this from other smartwatch makers. You know, Google tried pretty hard to talk about Android Wear before it came out. So they, they, they tried pretty hard, but Samsung missed that boat for the last couple of years. So this is critical for Apple to get success early next year. We wait with bated breath for the Apple Watch. And you can read those details about Apple Watch Kit at techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. All right, as I take my moment to have a snack uh, here at 10 o'clock on, uh, on a Wednesday night, uh, it's time for Stephen's Minute Reviews. And this week, you're going to kick it off with a camera. I am, yes. I have in my hand the Canon uh, PowerShot. I, SX400IS. That's quite a mouthful, but this is the sort of camera, and I'll hold it up to the camera. This is the sort of camera that if you're looking for something that's better than your smartphone, but not as bulky as an SLR, this is a good middle ground. This has got a, a 30 times optical zoom, 60 times digital zoom. I even got it up to 120 times zoom. On my review, I actually took a photo at the SCG from the other end of the SCG, took a wide shot and zoomed in. I could zoom in and still maintain pretty decent focus on the seats on the other side of the ground. So I, I could have taken a photo of someone on the other side of the ground and it was still very clear and sharp. Really nice design. It's got the nice handle on the on the right, three-inch screen on the back to frame your photos. Uh, plenty of different modes. Not too many manual modes. If you this is more a point-and-shoot device. If you want more manual control, you need to look elsewhere. This isn't the camera for you. There are a couple of uh, uh, modes that you can shoot in, but if you want full manual control on a device this size, you probably need to look at another type of camera. But uh, all in all, I think a great a great uh, camera. If you want, if you're a photographer who wants to go a little bit better than your smartphone without having to carry around a backpack full of lenses. So the uh, the PowerShot SX400IS and my full review is at techguide.com.au. Check it out. And a keyboard. So we go from a camera to a keyboard. Here we go. Yes, the Logitech, the uh, K480 keyboard. Now, all of us, including yourself, Trevor, and me, and all our listeners and viewers, we use a computer. We use a smartphone. Some of us also use a tablet. And if you get a message on your phone, a message on your tablet, you need to then stop what you're doing on your computer, then type on your screen. 
With this device, this allows you to, to sync up to three different devices to the sing, a single keyboard. This device here and allows you to switch very easily between them. So whether they're a PC or a Mac, Android or iOS, this even works. You can have them all paired up to this one keyboard. So if you do if you do need to type out a message on your phone, you can you, you can just flick the switch to the corresponding uh, number that your phone is is positioned in the Bluetooth map here, and then type out your message using this keyboard. It's got rounded keys. It's got a nice slot here along the top here to comfortably position the uh, your tablet or your phone. So it's a really handy device. Bluetooth controls as well for whether you've got a PC, Mac, iOS, Android. Really easy to pair, really handy to use if you are working across a lot of devices. The K480, it's priced at only $69.95. Full review at techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. That was episode 185. Uh, you can uh, join us each and every week uh, on iTunes or SoundCloud or as Tech Guide. And, of course, and we're still experimenting with this idea of uh, broadcasting live on a Wednesday night. We, we start the broadcast around 9.30. Um, so if you are uh, online at that time, jump on to Twitter, follow us, and, uh, and we'll, we'll send you the link, which will be bit.ly slash live each and every week. We'll, we'll change the URL on a, on a Wednesday night. But a good fun, mate. Always good to see you uh, because, you, you know, you never come visit anymore. So this is the only way we can do it. <laughs> Likewise, mate. It's, uh, at least we can still do this face-to-face and give our listeners an opportunity to uh, to see what we're doing as well as uh, listening to what we do. So to all those who took the time to watch these two ugly blokes talking tech, we appreciate it. And also for our listeners, thanks for hanging in there as well. Uh, we wouldn't be doing it without your support. So thanks very much. Good one. And uh, and to Robert Rigby, who, uh, who told us how to say uh, she'll be right in Finnish. God knows how to pronounce it, but thank you. Samuel reckons Nokia have missed the boat, um, so disagrees essentially with us. Ed loves the streaming and the and the the uh, drone pics. And Robert makes a good point also. Uh, the Apple podcast numbers, the seven billion, wouldn't include any other apps like Pocket Cast because they Apple has no idea what's happening at my server. So the numbers of podcasts would be extraordinarily much larger than that. But that's specifically through Apple. So good point, Robert, and thank you. Thank you for joining us on on Twitter. Um, and we'll be back again next week on Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.